You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. Michelle, how has your day been until now? Busy. We've been really busy. Tell me more about it. My kiddos had cheer camp and just day-to-day summer stuff with family and getting it all in before school starts. Oh, that's great. That's great. Having some fun time with family during summer is always a good idea. Yeah, (laughs) it is. So Michelle, it's always great when we start a conversation to kind of go, hey, what is a great outcome that we could have in this conversation that we're going to have today? So what would it be for you? What would make this conversation a great conversation, something worth your time? I've actually thought a lot about that today and I haven't come to anything specific. One thing that I think I could definitely work on is like pitching, like my coaching or my my business. I seem to get into the headspace of I'm trying to pitch it instead of thinking that I'm doing a service. I was reminded of that recently on, on my mind. Yeah. And why do you feel like you're pitching? What brings you that feeling? I don't know. I guess it's just that old thing. You know, when I was a kid, the salespeople, you know, they come by and everybody's like, oh, you know, and they're going to try to sell me something or they're going to try to convince me of something. And I think that that may be what's driving it, that belief behind it. And is there a reason why you believe you're a salesperson that is selling you uh, whatever that they were doing, did or salespeople were doing? I don't know. I've never thought about it that way. That's a good reflection yeah. to have at some point as to why are we relating ourselves to a salesperson that came to the door uninvited versus we having a conversation with someone that is useful. So we'll explore that in a hot second. But let's go first into actually understanding who is it that you serve? Who is it that you want to serve if you're not already serving them? Do you have some sense of idea of who's this person? Yeah, so I have a, it's called the Kids Can Program and it's to help kids with emotional stability. And I have done it at a daycare and I need to get into more daycares. But my hesitation is just that if I'm I'm walking in and so yes, I know who I'm serving. I'm serving children, serving children help with their emotional stability. So what you're offering to daycares is helping children be able to manage their emotions a little bit better. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So are you already aware of the daycares that would be interested in such topics? Do you have some way of connecting with them? Is there a way to approach them that you may have already discovered or just something in discovery right now? Yeah, so I already did it. It's been done. Now it's just going forward. So that one happened kind of through a friend kind of fell into it. So there was no thought into it. I just kind of mentioned it and then they approached me about it and that's how it got the ball rolling. So at other daycares, I would have to go in and do it a little bit differently. And and that's not them approaching me, it's me approaching them. So it's the roles have been reversed a little bit. I hear you. I see, see the difference as well. How is it that your friend just 
happen to tell you about this daycare or you happen to get to know about this daycare and the daycare kind of found you? How did that happen? Yeah. So um, it's a friend and she ended up starting to work at the daycare. And then um, I was in the process of uh, creating this program and I told her about it and she thought it was pretty cool. And she told her boss, which is the owner. And then it kind of fell off and I was in another kid's program and she thought it was the same one. So she contacted me about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I basically just, I just put the word out there and it somehow got back to me. Oh, so you actually still had to put your word out, right? You did have a conversation with a friend telling them about the program that you developed and they happened to like it because you just shared with them some cool information about what you've developed for children. And they said, wow, that's great. I think my boss can use the same. And then they said, let's talk about it. And then they said, yes, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And so what we're really saying is we did talk about it to someone to initiate the conversation so they can have a further dialogue to be able to say yes. Yes, I suppose I did. (laughs) Okay. So is there a reason why you think that you can't just simply talk about what you're doing and maybe people who are interested would say, well, this is really interesting. I would like to have a further conversation about it. Do you think that could be literally the process? Yes, I do. I know that it can be. (laughs) You said, I know it can be, as if like it's like this elusive dream that maybe it could be possible. (laughs) Let's make it a little bit more context around that. Why do you think it's such an elusive thing? Oh, it can be the case, but it's not the case and will not be the case. What makes you believe that? Hmm. Well, I know I'm capable of it. (laughs) I may be letting fear get in the way just a little bit there. (laughs) Okay. Let me reflect on the question again for a hot second. And then we'll come to your fear and we'll come to, I am capable of it as a statement. But what is it that tells you that you literally cannot go out in the world and talk about what you're able to do for kids that is seemingly really important in today's time, especially. And that would just simply generate the conversations that need to happen that may get you more engagements. What is the doubt in this strategy is what I'm really asking. Is there a doubt in this strategy? Oh, is there doubt? Well, the doubt is that I created it. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's practice. I have kids that have talked to me about their favorites and you know their process and I know it works for them. I guess the doubt just still comes from I created it and I guess I don't have any background in that. Uh, So the doubt is not doubt that the strategy could work. The doubt is that you doubt yourself that this is actually working. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a very different doubt. The doubt is not in strategy, which means if you had evidence that what you do actually works, irrespective of your qualifications or not, it is then the strategy itself is solid. To be able to go out in the world, talk to people about what you do, how it impacts people and or kids, and then that being able to generate more conversations and be able to get more engagement. So the fear is not sales. The fear is your doubt in yourself of being able to be someone who can actually create something amazing. I guess so. Yeah. You wrapped is it up that, very nicely. Is nice. that true? Do you find truth in that? Or are, you, are you just saying because I said yes. it? No, 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 no. It, it sounds very true. It, it feels like it resonates. Okay, so we are dealing with a very different problem. The problem is not sales. The problem is self-doubt. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, so tell me something, Michelle. Have you ever had a chance to talk to someone that does not have a professional degree in something, but they're still able to do that job really well? Like, have you talked to a mother who did not graduate from a university of motherhood? (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> you have? And they were good mothers? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Have you met a father who graduated from the University of Fatherhood? <laughs> uh, no, I have never met anybody okay. like that. And, but they good father? Yes, good father. So you've met parents that have never graduated from a parenting degree, but they are able to be good parents. Right. Yeah. Have you met an educator, a coach, a trainer that maybe not really graduated from the highest qualifications that you may know, like a Howard graduate or anything, but they did a reasonable job in being able to coach someone through a situation? Yeah, yes. Uh, if not, if you think I'm a decent coach, considering you have come on this podcast with me, I've never graduated <laughs> from a degree of coaching, but I am coaching. And even if I'm a half decent coach, considering the results I've been able to generate, I think I do fairly okay. Yeah, well, if we're talking about you specifically, you're pretty phenomenal, so. Yes, yeah. so great. So that means that you could even be a really good coach without having a professional degree of being a coach. Yes, yeah, right? yep. So the evidence suggests that you can actually be good at something without actually being qualified at that. And that qualification is just one of the things you could have, but that doesn't determine the quality of outcome that you can create. Say that again? So if you are not graduate of something, if you don't have a professional degree, that is in no way a determinant of the quality of outcome that you can create in life. Yes. Right? Considering Correct. you have met great parents who have never been to a parented university or taken a parenting course, and you have met coaches that can do a fairly decent job without actually being graduates of some high value university. And you have met other people who are really good at what they do, but they're not necessarily qualified to do it. You have. Yes. So Absolutely. evidence suggests that degree does not mean quality. Quality means quality. Yeah, yes. Okay, so now let's look at what you are creating in the world, right? Let's look at that a little bit, right? You said, and you said it in passing, I want to just reflect on it and make sure that I heard it right. You shared that you have implemented this program with kids. You have actually run it in a play school and you run it in different places. And it has seemingly created results for kids. And you've had yeah. great response from people. Yes. Yeah. Would you say that is evidence to show that whatever you are discovering or have discovered or will continue to discover and evolve actually has some sense of quality considering even a few students got results? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what is the self-doubt on? Is the self-doubt on you trusting yourself or is this the self-doubt on the methodology? It's definitely a self-doubt in myself. Even when I hear them tell me the things I... I don't feel it. I, I don't know that I'm letting myself feel the results or the, the positivity that's coming from what I'm doing. Yeah. Hey, that's great. So we understand that this is a self-doubt in ourselves. This has nothing to do with our methodology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now what we're going to do is what is called dissociation technique, right? Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to dissociate ourselves as people to the work that we put out in the world. Okay. Right. So this is one of the classic things that happens, especially with individuals who are doing something that is impact driven in the world and they're starting out in it. They think, like you think, that you are the work. Okay. You are not the work. You are not the person that people are signing up for. You are not the result they want. They want the methodology that you built to give the result that you promise. They want the result. They do not care who you are. It doesn't matter if your name was Michelle or Mitchell or Sarah, or Kendrick, it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter to them if you were white or black. It doesn't matter what religion you come from. If you're able to help the kids regulate their emotions better, that is what they want. So you, doubting yourself, is creating a doubt in the methodology, which is independent of you. Right. Okay. I see. Okay. I see the difference. 
while we will do the work on us doubting ourselves, first distinction that we must understand and we must explore is you are not your methodology. Your methodology is your methodology. It can be deployed in the world in spite, like you were there or not there. That methodology once developed as a life of its own. And when it has its life of its own, which means it can be deployed even without you in time, means your doubt has nothing to do with the doubt of the methodology. It's a completely different being altogether. Right. Okay. Make sense? It does. Yes, very much. How does that land for you? What is coming up for you right now? I'm trying to dissociate myself from the actual program and I, I'm just kind of visualizing it in my head. I do, you know, see this as being bigger and expansion. So when you talked about expansion, I saw like an employee working with the kids and it was completely separate from me. It was bigger than just me. So yeah, that was what I was thinking. Beautiful. What I want you to do is close your eyes, take a deep breath in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth while making a sound, releasing all stress. Take a deep breath in. <sighs> Take another deep breath in. <sighs> Take another deep breath in. <sighs> Great. Now, I want you to visualize, look up, take your eyeballs while your eyes being closed and look up, look up towards the sky. And as you look up towards the sky, imagine that there's a big movie screen in front of you. This movie screen is playing the movie of you and your business and its impact in the world. And this movie is playing this beautiful movie where you are somebody that goes into your business and the business itself has hundreds of employees. These hundreds of employees are working with thousands and thousands of students and are helping these students and kids manage their emotions better. You walk in to this office at 9 a.m. in the morning and you walk out of this office at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. While you are away from the office, the other team members continue to express their impact because this is a global organization and even the classes run virtually. Now, while you're away, the business is still operating. See the business operate despite you not being there. See Zoom calls being held. See live calls being held. See live seminars being held. See live workshops being held. Imagine this work happening without you facilitating anything around the work. You are almost going there only to do administrative tasks like signing paperwork, legal work, making sure the curriculum is updated, making sure everybody is paid well, that everybody is taken care of, making sure the culture is right, making sure the students are actually learning making sure that many different organizations are engaging with you in this different capacity to work with this organization. They do not want to work with you. They want to work with this organization. Imagine that is all coming true. You're going every day. You're going at a nine, almost like a CEO or an administrator of a company. Work and then leaving at three. Going at 9 a.m., leaving at three. Going at 9 a.m., leaving at 12. Going at 9 a.m., leaving at 10 a.m. Going at 11 a.m., leaving at 1 p.m. However the day flows, you're only required to be there for an hour to three hours every day. The rest of the time, the organization continues to live its life. 
continues to expand its scope, continues to expand its reach, continues to continue, continues to be a global organization. See this movie happening day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. And every single time you go into the organization, you make the organization better, but the organization doesn't need you for its operations and for its day-to-day activity. All right, whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. So what I want you to do is play this movie or a version of this movie every single day or as often as you can. The reason why I want you to play this movie is because this association that we were creating on you being a part of the organization, but not the organization itself, will allow you to disassociate your personal journey of self-doubt, self-worth, looking at yourself as some being that limits the work. Instead of that, the work itself will stay dissociated and it will not be impacted by your journey of where you are. It may help when you are ready, but it will not hurt the organization. Is this making sense, Michelle? Yes, yeah, yeah. Be the messenger, kind of. Do you see yourself a little bit more dissociated from the work? Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. Could you visualize the work having a life of its own? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. So one of the keys in my career when I started to do this work was when I started, like everybody else, I didn't know if I was any good. I didn't know if I, as a person, was worthy of being able to be a space holder for other people who are doing amazing work in the world. I didn't know if I was good enough in context of my skill set or as a person because I didn't know. And because I didn't know initially and early on, a lot of times I would say, oh, the business can't do this. You know, oh, I have a coach cannot do this because I don't know how to do it. Only with time when I started to dissociate myself as an entity different to Evercoach and to other businesses that I do, did I recognize that I play a small part in a big impact that we want to create, right? So once you start seeing that, what it does for you is you can go, I can't do something, but that doesn't mean that the business can do something. Right. Right? Because here is what happens, Michelle. Have you ever had a job in your life? Yes. Sometimes your boss might have told you to do something that you've never done before, that you felt was out of your capability. Did that happen ever? Yeah. Right? And you were able to do it. Yes. Right? Because when we go into work, for some funny reason, we assume an identity where nothing will fail us. Right? Because when you go into a job, you say, I'm going to impress my boss. I'm going to impress my colleagues. I'm going to impress my leader. And for that, you would do things that otherwise you would never do. Right? Right? Because the persona that you have at work is different than the persona that you have at home. The persona at home can doubt itself, can sabotage itself because there's nothing at stake, right? Right. You can still live with however the version shows up. But at work, what happens is because our financial entity is at stake, we assume a persona where nothing is impossible. Right, yeah. So what if your work was your work? You went to work every day and you assumed an identity where nothing was impossible. Yeah, that's definitely a different way to look at it. How does that sit with you? How is this landing for you? I love the concept, the visualization, the last one I'm going to have to work on, I feel like. Which but is the, I last feel one? the last one being like going to work and technically working, you know, for somebody else, how I can figure out how to do that for myself. <laughs> But if I am doing that... You're not working with somebody else. You are a part of a larger organization. You're not visualizing you have a boss. 
you're visualizing that there's an organism that is greater than you. Right. It's sum of parts. It's not you. Right. 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 Okay. Um, now let's explore your self-doubt a little bit. Okay. okay. Because it will play in. It will play mm-hmm. in even if not on this call, it will play in later. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think is self-doubt? What is self-doubt? Uh, self-doubt is when you are not confident in the things that you are trying to do or are doing. Okay. Why do you think you would not be confident in something that you are doing or want to do? I maybe just go back to the lack of education on it. Lack of education sometimes, right? Lack of education is one part, but do you think a part that plays into it is lack of education leads to sometimes lack of experience? Yes. Yeah. And lack of experience is a function of lack of action. Lack of experience. Yes. Yeah. We don't take action. We don't get experience. Right. Right. And lack of action happens because we doubt ourselves. Yes, yes. Right? So as you see, this is a circular project. There's no way to get out of it because the more you doubt yourself, the less action you're going to take, the less experience you have, the less education that you will be inclined to study, right? Because Mm -hmm. you'll go, what's the point of studying something I'm never going to execute towards? Right? Right. So this is a vicious cycle because then you will continue to self-doubt yourself, take less action, have less experience, doubt yourself and getting more education. Self-doubt is going to come back in. And so the cycle is forever. There is no way to get out of the cycle except for when you get out of the cycle. Right. Right. So let me tell you the trick of getting out of the cycle. Yes, please. <laughs> the trick of getting out of the cycle is to take what is called unconfident action. Okay. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to find yourself to take a small baby action that you can take unconfidently, not a massive action. The massive action story doesn't really work. Like people who say, take massive action. No, it doesn't work, especially when you're starting something, right? When you don't have the confidence to do it, you cannot take massive action. You can take small action. So what you want to do is you want to find out, okay, what's the small action that I can take that helps me get a little bit more experience? Because when I have a little bit more experience, I have a little bit less of self-doubt, right? Because I have more confidence, right? So more action I take, the more experience I get, the more education I get because of the experience I'm getting, and the more confidence I get. Yes. Yes. So if you can find small actions that you can take that does not hinder your confidence, but gets you into the motion of building the cycle, you can keep building the cycle forever to become big enough that you don't doubt yourself anymore. Is that possible not to doubt yourself anymore? Yes, it is totally possible to not doubt yourself anymore. There will be a little bit of self-doubt all the time, but the inner voice that tells you you're doubting yourself is almost immediately shut off because of the confidence that you have. Okay. There's absolutely a place where you do not doubt yourself. Or even if you doubt yourself, you're confident so much that your doubt doesn't really matter anymore. Like it can be just a little noise. It goes, you're not good enough. And you say, shut up. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And a lot of this is built with evidence, right? For example, if you would really recognize what you have already done for these kids that have had an impact in your life, if you actually absorb it, if you actually go, wow, I did this for these kids. This is how these kids feel right now. Your self-esteem and your self-confidence is going to go up. Your self-doubt is going to naturally go down because you are seeing evidence of your work. It's not hypothetical. The problem might be that you see the evidence, but you don't accept the evidence. And what would cause that? Not being able to accept the evidence? Yeah. It is because there is a challenge that we all have because we are nurtured in ways where we don't know how to receive. Thank you. Okay. Okay. The reason why you may resist 
accepting the evidence as the truth of the matter is because you have, again, told yourself the story of saying, oh, I'm not good enough. Who am I to teach this? Who am I to do blah, blah, blah? Oh, I need to have a degree to prove something or something else, right? So your self-doubt is higher than your self-confidence, right? Right. What we are doing is we are trying to slowly build your confidence enough that whatever is the level of self-doubt becomes so small that your confidence just overtakes whenever it's time to deliver. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what is it that we can do? You've already started this journey. The path that we have to stay on and the evidence that we have to accept is something that we need to work on. Because the small step that you've already taken is to start talking about it to your friends of what you can do. Right? right, And that has already gotten you an introduction. That has already gotten you an engagement. Now you want to protect this confidence with everything that you possibly can, which means you want to keep working only on things that are giving you positive feedback for a little bit, right? Okay. Until your confidence is at a level where you go, holy shit, I'm good at this, <laughs> right? Yeah. To be able to get to that point, you want to find small daily actions. It could be working with one kid at a time. And I know it sounds really small and might not pay very well, but at least it'll get you to keep building that confidence. You might say, hey, listen, I'm going to take private tuitions for kids that are coming into school and I'm going to just work with them one-on-one to help them regulate their emotions better. Or groups of three, groups of five, whatever it might be. Simpler, easier things that you can do pretty easily to build up that reservoir of your understanding of how you are an awesome person. Right. Right? Now, again... We'll continue to work with dissociation. So that way you're not restricted by your self-confidence in building what you want to build, right? The impact has nothing to do with you. The impact is greater than. Right. It's a sum of parts. It has already been created. It's a model. It's a methodology. It's nothing to do with you. But if we add you to the mix, the impact grows larger, which is why we need to work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. What do you think, Michelle, is going to stop you from here on to continue to build your confidence after understanding this small daily action thing? Well, if I don't make it a habit of dissociating it, that could definitely, you know, it wouldn't change the belief. It wouldn't change the habit. And I would just continue to go down the path of the doubt path if I didn't change the habit. What's really happening in your mind? Because I can feel your energy from the thing and there's something bothering you. What is bothering you right now? I don't know. I can hear the sigh. I can hear there's something that is happening beyond that I would like to understand. Yeah, I guess I'm scared. You're scared? Scared of what? I have no idea. Mm. Do you want to sit with it for a second? Do you think it's going to come to you? Uh, I feel like I don't want to, but I should. (laughs) I feel like that's that uncomfortableness that holds me back. That Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I should. I will. <laughs> Let's sit with it right now. Let's take a minute. Let's see if something comes through. Yeah. I don't know. I'm scared it might work more. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm scared of people relying on it maybe. And that it's like a self-doubt thing again. I'm scared that it'll work. <laughs> so if it works, people will rely on it and then I will fail them. And what happens if people fail or the system fails them? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I guess I'll be a failure. (laughs) If the system fails, you will be a failure? I guess that's what's coming to me. So I'm just going to say it and see how it feels. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever bought a computer that didn't work? No. A computer that didn't work over time, let's say, broke over time? 
Oh, yeah. 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 Have you ever gone to a restaurant and had, usually you would have great meals, but one day you didn't have a good meal? Yeah. Did that break the restaurant? <laughs> no, no. You had a bad meal and you said, ah, okay, not a good meal today. Gonna tip less or just gonna not come back for a little while or one customer lost, but somebody else still went to the restaurant. While restaurant is not the best analogy because that's not what we do, what we must understand is the work that we do, even when it doesn't work, it actually works much better than no work at all. Yeah. Even the worst delivery of you helping a kid regulate emotions, even if they regulate their emotions 10% better, you have changed that kid's life. Even if you just help them understand what emotional regulation is, you have changed that kid's life. Even if that's all you did, is help them understand they have emotions and you can regulate them. Right. Yeah, some is better than none. Your worst case scenario is a really good scenario. It's both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I can grasp that. When I think about failing, I mean, I teach, it's funny because I teach my kids that failure is just how we learn. Um, but for some reason, I don't take my own advice in that area. It's, it's one of those things I need to start feeling and not just saying, I guess, feel it more than... Why do you think it's so hard for you to accept failure if it oh. happens? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't normally fail. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let me ask a two-part question. Firstly, why is it that failure is so bad? <laughs> second part is why it's so important for you to not fail ever. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so like I'm... Emotional. I don't want to be emotional. <laughs> okay. You're having an experience. I mean, I feel the emotions coming up, but I don't know, like there's no words of why I can't feel. I don't know. It's okay. Maybe you want to feel those emotions and maybe we'll do that at our own time just because we are kind of running out of time here. Yeah. But my invitation for you is to sit with that feeling because that feeling may have the information as to why do you fear failure so much and why is it so important to you that you do not fail? Because like you said, like you've taught your students, like we all have learned through many different channels and through life that failure is just a part of the journey and it doesn't define us. It doesn't really mean anything beyond that that particular thing didn't work at the time that we were trying to make it work. It doesn't even mean that the idea is bad. It simply means the idea's time is bad or it could mean that the idea's time is bad or execution is bad. It doesn't mean anything. Failure is just a data point. It's not a statement. It's not a judgment. But for some reason... Today, as we are sitting in this session, in this conversation, the way you're expressing it as if it's a statement, as if somebody is making a judgment towards you of saying that failed. Instead of, it's part of the process, big deal. That's how we learn, that's how we grow, that's how humanity has evolved to the place we have evolved. So my invitation for you is to sit with that, feel that emotion, feel that feeling, and see what's really happening here. And maybe there's a follow-up to be had with a therapist or a coach, depending on what really shows up, on what is it that's really stopping that action taking? What is it that is causing this fear that is leading to a not optimized experience to what you actually want to have as a person? Right. Maybe there's a discovery there. So Michelle, from what I capture in our very short time that we had today is firstly, we were able to at least hopefully create a system that will help you dissociate yourself yeah. and your work. And with that association, hopefully, you will be able to at least create momentum towards the work that you have because you will see it as a conversation that is nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the work. And hopefully, you will be able to see that the system that you had to get your first client 
might be the system, which is to just talk to people. That it has nothing to do with salespeople that came to your door when you were a child because you're not doing that. And that's not what this is. You're not trying to sell some junk to someone. You're selling something that's useful to people and you have evidence to prove it. And secondly, maybe there is work that we need to do around finding what causes the fear that is in your body, in your soul. Is there anything that you want to reflect on here, Michelle, or any action step that occurs to you? I suppose there is one thing when we talked about basically making it familiar, making, uh, doing the little steps and eventually it will get familiar. I mean, when you expand, everything seems to be new. So I'm, I'm going to shoot a theory over to you and I want you to kind of, yeah, I don't know, crush it, I guess. <laughs> so basically you do things little by little and they get bigger and bigger, but essentially you're experiencing everything new to expand and to get bigger. So the level of make it familiar, I say that, you know, make it familiar kind of gets me to these kind of meetings that scare me a little bit, which I'd say a year ago, you know, talking to different people in different scenarios was unfamiliar to me. Now it's familiar. Now I'm in this container talking to you, which is a step higher than that, which it was uncomfortable. So expanding that, does it ever like the fear was there still the same level and I pushed through that but when you said the fear goes away that's kind of my pushback scenario yeah does it ever really go away I guess it's always a back of your mind situation but like I said once you have the confidence that you're okay with the unfamiliar you don't doubt yourself and it doesn't stop you There is, of course, fear. That's a normal emotion to have. It's like saying, does anxiety ever go away? It goes away, but it's always there a little bit. But at the same point of time, it doesn't affect you. So maybe the answer is not to say it goes away, but it doesn't affect you anymore. Maybe it's a proper way of saying it. Just let's take your example, right? There was a point where there was something was unfamiliar. You took a chance, you moved towards that direction, and then Mm -hmm. it got familiar. The next time when you move towards a different fear that may be a little bit more expansive in the same vertical, it was a little bit easier because you had done that before and it was okay and you were safe. So the next time, and like our conversation after this, the next conversation you will have at our event when you show up or at a live call that will be, it'll be easier. Not because you don't have fear, but because you know it's going to be okay, that you're safe, that you're held, that it's fine. Nothing really ended your world, right? And because of that, the fear doesn't affect you anymore because you know you're going to be safe. That is not world ending. That even if something does go wrong, it's not going to be that wrong. Right. Okay. Right? So yeah. the fear itself yeah. doesn't stop you anymore at after a point. And for that matter, a lot of the times you search for fear. You search for, hey, I haven't felt real fear for a long time. Where is it? Is it something that I'm scared of right now? You start questioning things like that, which sounds really absurd right now because of the place you are in life. But there will be a stage in your life where you'll be like, nothing really scares me because I have given myself the chance to try, to seek new ideas, to consider new ideas, to consider things that are slightly or very scary, but I've done them. And because I did them today, I don't feel fear. Not to the same degree that I used to. I may feel fear, but it's a matter of minutes. It's a matter of, I feel the fear and I say, let's do it. Right. Right? Yeah. Are you at that point? I am at that point in in many things in my life. There are some things that still I seek now. I am seeking 
well, you know what would be interesting? I've done thousand person stages because speaking was a big fear for me at one point in my life. I was like, what if I did 5,000 person stages or a 10,000 person stage? or even a 50,000 person stage. Well, that feels like a fearful thing, but I'm already working towards creating those stages. I'm like, I know I will be okay. Even if I bomb, I'll be okay. It's not going to end my world. (laughs) Right. You know? So yes, I seek fear at this point. I'm like, what is it that would be scary? Well, that looks a little bit scary. Let's do that. (laughs) Okay. Right? But I, I'm not seeing it in the sense of I'm not a daredevil or anything like that. I'm not trying to jump off a cliff without any training. You know, I'm not doing that stuff. But I am being a daredevil in the context of what I have done in the past and saying, what's the next version of this? And I'm expanding into it. I'm not trying to go from never speaking on stage to 5,000 person stage, right? I've gone right. from never speaking to stage to 1,000 person stage. And now I'm saying what would look like to speak to 5,000 people or 10,000 people and so forth. Right. So that expands and that changes. Okay. Right. So so you seek fear and you will too. You will too. Once you get really comfortable with yourself, when you get really comfortable with who you are, when you get really comfortable and know that you're actually amazing and you're just creating the story about doubting yourself. And in time, you'll get past the story and you'll be okay. Right. Wow. That's good to know that there is a point that the fear will just kind of subside. Yeah, it's just you you learn how to deal with it better. You already are. You're just not recognizing it. That's what I want you to note, Michelle. Now you deal with fear better than what you were dealing with fear three months ago. You were on this call. This was fearful for you. You did this anyway. Yes. Yeah. So you got better at dealing with fear. That's true. Just by showing up here today. So acknowledge that. Accept that. That is also you. The version that doubts yourself is also you, but this is also you that shows up even when they're doubting themselves. Yes. Yep. And I am I, I am proud of myself because there was a part of me that wanted to be like, cancel it, cancel it now. And then I was, you know, I had to talk it down. So, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm very excited that you did that. I'm grateful that you did that. I'm very proud of you that you did that. And I want to see more of that in the coming months, in the coming year. I want to see more of that Michelle who talks herself down to say, screw that. I'm not going to let fear sitting in my car, driving the car. No, fear is going to take the back seat, and my passion is going to drive the car. My gut is going to drive the car. My courage is going to drive the car. Fear is not the driver. Fear can be a passenger. It can make its comment. It can tell me what I should and shouldn't do. But that's its job. They can do that. I have no way to throw them out of the car. What I can do is I can choose who's the driver. Right. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much, Michelle, for making the time today. Had a pleasure talking to you. I'll see you soon. (laughs) Thank you, Ajit.